My challenge is to you is to honestly think that this is what the people of Frisco want. Don't tell us what we want. We're telling you. No offense again to Universal. We've developed, we don't want your project here. I'm sorry. Universal Studios is smart. They know what they're doing when they build a theme park. I, for one, would like to say that I am thrilled that they are coming to Frisco. If dialogue and cooperation ease the fear and garner support, then I have to ask each one of you, what would prevent you from continuing to engage us, specifically our committee and the residents of Frisco after the vote tonight? March 7th, a planning and zoning commission meeting at Frisco City Hall. The reason? A new universal theme park coming to Frisco, Texas. Residents offered a range of opinions on the project during the public comment portion of the meeting, but as you heard, things got a little heated. Your decision that you make tonight is going to have consequences not only for the city of Frisco, but for our small island neighborhood of 271 homes. More than any neighborhood in Frisco, we have the most to lose. I'm Bailey Friday, and Texas wants to know... Why did Universal pick a suburb 30 miles north of Dallas for its new theme park? So how did this deal with Universal come about? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, Frisco has built itself a brand that is recognized now across the country with projects like the Star and PGA Frisco and those types of things. And this is one that actually they approached us about the project. That's Frisco Mayor Jeff Cheney. He's serving his second term as mayor. You know, they were looking to be in this market and I know have kind of searched different sites in adjacent cities and then kind of kept hearing the buzz of Frisco and decided that this is where they wanted to be. The park will be geared toward three to 11 year olds and take up 97 acres of land compared to the 541 acres of Universal Orlando. For a Texas comparison, Six Flags over Texas and Arlington sits on 212 acres, while SeaWorld in San Antonio takes up 250. I'm not really surprised that they have decided to take advantage of a theme park industry trend known as microparks. So these are basically smaller size footprint parks. They're not like these mega parks we're used to. They are intended for a regional audience and they kind of satisfy both needs from, you know, consumer angle and for these major companies. That's Carly Karamana. She's got the best job in the world. She's a theme park expert and journalist. Smaller footprint means it is significantly less capital to invest in. And then as far as the consumer, this kind of opens it up to an entirely new geographical fan base that maybe they can't afford a whole family of four or five to fly to Orlando, Florida or Los Angeles. But you know what? They can make the drive to a market that is close to them. Many families will travel across Texas and neighboring states to visit the parks. So the Universal Studios will open a 300 room hotel. However, they can't serve everyone. So we expect uh, the overflow will go to, over, to other hotels and Airbnbs uh, as families travel. So this is gonna have a huge economic impact for the area. James Harrington is an associate professor of public and nonprofit management at the University of Texas at Dallas. Yeah, and you mentioned some of those big facilities that Frisco already has and they're bringing in. How has the city landed so many sports and entertainment attractions? I think it really comes down to three factors. One, I think decisive leadership, financial incentives, and prior success. 
Um, in regards to the decisive leadership, I think a huge credit goes out to the Frisco mayor, the Frisco EDC, the city council, the city manager's office for all their hard work. They were able to move on this very quickly in this process. Uh, one thing I was really impressed is uh, they, Frisco made the announcement in January, and they were able to have the Frisco Planning and Zoning Commission approve it on March 7th, so within two months uh, for their special use permit. So that's incredibly fast. That takes a lot of leadership, a lot of hard work. But some residents were not as impressed by the speed. This major of a project that's been shoved down our throats, completely shoved down our throats. It's unbelievable. Um, being told over and over again that it's a small project is condescending and it's, it's, I, I see it as an insult to my intelligence and to the people that are out here. To call this a small project is ridiculous. Can we stop using those words, please? To get these projects approved, it requires financial incentives. So I thought Frisco did a great job by offering the $12.7 million in performance-based economic incentives uh, based off sales tax revenue. According to the city, those incentives include $10.7 million in grants for infrastructure like roads and utilities, and $2 million in tax reimbursements for materials issued over 20 years. Those incentives also require the park to be open by June 2026. If you're familiar with the area, the plot of land where the park will be built is on the east side of the Dallas North Tollway at Panther Creek Parkway. In renderings released by Universal, the park will be bordered to the west by the tollway, the south by Panther Creek, the north by Fields Parkway, and the east by Frisco Street. But if you drive by now, only the tollways complete. Panther Creek Parkway dead ends about seven-tenths of a mile to the east of the tollway, while Frisco Street ends roughly a half-mile south of where the southeast corner of the park will be. Fields Parkway has yet to be extended. You know, when you look at DFW as a whole, it's easy access. Frisco specifically is in the path of growth, just right up the Dallas North Tollway. So there'll be kind of easy access from a lot of different areas. And I think it uh, became a natural fit. And then, of course, then knowing Frisco being a can-do city that can pull big deals together, I think, you know, that was what ended up sealing the deal. The piece of land the park will be on is part of the field's development. This massive 2,500-acre piece of land in the northernmost part of Frisco. In addition to Universal, it'll be home to the PGA of America headquarters, which will include a resort and two golf courses, and a Frisco branch of the University of North Texas. It'll also include thousands of homes, starting at $700,000. That's what the developer told the North Texas real estate site Candy's Dirt in August. The only thing about those homes is that they're very expensive homes because of the demand for that, and it kind of leaves you know, the regular working people, they don't have an advantage that they can look and afford those type of homes. That's Bert Ortiz. We moved over here in 2010, my wife and I and my daughter. He lives in Frisco near the intersection of Panther Creek and Teal Parkways, just on the south side of the fields development. We live about eight or 10 minutes from there, from the location that they're going to build it. The disadvantages for us you know, outweighs the advantages. Ortiz and other residents spoke at city council meetings raising concerns about traffic, crime, and short-term rentals in the city. There's been a lot of concern, obviously, about the influx of visitors. What is the city planning to do to accommodate for that from a traffic and housing standpoint? 
Yeah, that was the first question that we asked is really to kind of understand the traffic impact of it. Where it's going is actually a part of our city that was zoned for really high dense uses. So this tract of land had the ability to do unlimited height office towers, you know, hotels, uh, multifamily retail. So if it had developed on its intended use, it actually would have been a much higher draft traffic generator than what Universal is going to be. The other great thing is that this project is, you know, generating traffic during non-peak times. You know, it's not rush hour traffic. It's usually in lower peak times, kind of mid-morning and, you know, after the rush hour crowd. So the city has said the park's going to have less weekday traffic than an HEB, and that overall it's going to see less traffic than a mixed-use development. Obviously, traffic is a huge concern with this. Is that a realistic expectation? I think technically it's realistic. However, I don't think the traffic is exactly the same. The traffic is different. So grocery stores and retail attracts residents who are already in Frisco. So opening up a new HEB doesn't bring in new residents into an area uh, that doesn't overpopulate the area. However, Universal Stories will largely attract residents outside of Frisco. So it does actually bring on more traffic, even though maybe the foot traffic is similar to a grocery store or mixed use. It actually will attract a lot more people outside the community, which will create more burden on the roads and create more traffic. So it's not fair to compare uh, the Universal Studios Park with an HEB. But I do believe the traffic is manageable. I think we need to remember that this footprint for this park is only the fourth of the size of the actual Universal Orlando Resort. So it is a smaller park. Comparing this project to two HEBs that would be in there, really, you expect us to think that it's going to have the same impact as two grocery stores, a theme park. We're supposed to believe that. Traffic is the biggest one, but also my wife was saying that this is also going to be bringing in more crime because a lot of people are going to come over here to, you know, to bring their families. And, you know, that's all good and well, but with that comes other visitors. They have another agenda, you know, try to steal from people, rob them. And that was pretty obvious when the HEB opened near us where, you know, there was a person or persons snatching purses from the uh, customers at HEB. In November, just two months after HEB opened up in Frisco, someone tried to take the purse of a woman in the parking lot. This happened shortly after a similar incident at a nearby Target. Police ultimately made an arrest in the cases. Crime has been cited as a, as a big concern, but I don't think crime should be a big concern. The target audience for this park is 3 to 11. It's going to be geared to families. In regards to the other Universal Park, Las Vegas is also getting an upcoming Universal uh, Studios. That's a horror theme. It's more adult focused. I think that's the type of park that might be more focused on, on crime, where I don't think crime is going to be an issue here. A 2019 study out of the University of Texas at Dallas found that crime is higher near theme parks, where bars, restaurants, and hotels are built nearby. The study focused coincidentally on the area surrounding Universal Studios in Orlando and found that more crimes like robbery, burglary, and aggravated assault happened near the park. Our police chief, Shilson, he actually called the person who wrote that story to get his feedback. And um, the person who wrote that story actually said he would have no concerns living adjacent to the park. That really what they found in the study was, you know, when the theme parks generate traffic that's catered towards an older audience, then you do see kind of some of those kinds of things. You know, like Universal Orlando has CityWalk, which is, you know, a big area with 
you know, restaurants, bars, nightlife, those kinds of things. That's not what this project is. I mean, this project is catered towards young families. The park's going to close kind of at an, at an early hour. And so we're not expecting to see that kind of issue here. Another big concern for residents is where visitors will stay. But Cheney says he thinks there will be enough accommodations. They're going to start with a 300-room hotel, potentially expand it up to 600. So I think a lot of their guests will choose to stay there as part of the overall experience. Of course, we have a lot of other great hotels that offer, you know, kind of different things as well, whether it's PGA Frisco or the Omni at the Star. And so that, I think, will eat up a lot of the demand. Here in Frisco, you know, we do have a short-term rental ordinance, so they are allowed, but HOAs, which nearly every um, community in Frisco does have an HOA, they have the ability to kind of make that choice as a community, whether or not they want to allow short-term rentals in their communities. Given that the target market is families, I don't see the Airbnbs being as disruptive like in other communities. I don't think party houses will be an issue here. We've talked a lot about how the park will impact Frisco, but just on a general note, I love theme parks. So I was interested to learn more from Kara Mana about an emerging trend in the industry. The most recent example of micro parks are um, Peppa Pig theme park at the Legoland Florida Resort, and then also the newly opened Kathmandu, which is in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. So these micro parks, the ticket price is less than half of what you're usually expecting from a major theme park. They don't have dozens and dozens of attractions, but it's maybe a few e-ticket main attractions, some dining options, some outdoor activities. And it's just kind of a way to build a new theme park. But again, it's that smaller footprint. So a company isn't investing the significant capital like they are in building an entirely new destination. It's intentionally not like a Six Flags with big roller coasters, you know, that may be targeted towards teens and so forth. This would be more of like immersive lands. Um, so four or five different concepts of their intellectual property, which hasn't been announced yet, but they've got a lot of really big brands that cater towards children, where you may go into, just as an example, one of the lands that may be like a Minions World or a Shrek Land or Kung Fu Panda or some of their famous different intellectual property. And guys, I want to stress that these are examples of what some of the lands could be. Universal has not announced specifics yet. We reached out to the company for comment on this podcast, but a spokesperson said they wouldn't be ready to offer comment until later in the year. But if you did want to know my favorite piece of Universal's intellectual property, as Cheney puts it, well, you know, it's hard to say a favorite. I do love Harry Potter World <laughs> at the one in Orlando, and I know this is for younger kids, but hey, kids get their Hogwarts acceptance letters at age 11, and this park is for kids 3 to 11, so hey, maybe we'll get some Harry Potter stuff. A kid-oriented theme park, that sounds pretty unique. It really is. I'm a little jealous. My kids are older now, so they're in their teens, but I would have loved to have had something like this in, in Frisco when they were growing up to create those lifelong memories. But we're kind of already looking forward to, you know, one day grandkids, you know, we'll be taking <laughs> them here and, and making the memories that way. Karamana added that micro parks are a way for Universal to get a leg up on one of its biggest competitors. Disney, they have been getting a lot of heat for the rising costs and kind of pricing out the average middle class consumer. And there's no doubt universal ticket prices are 
almost on scale with Disney World, Disneyland's prices. But I think they're trying to take this time and say, you know, we've set this vacation for you at a premium price. Let us also go ahead and offer as much of a premium product as we can. And I feel like the best example are the rapid expansions that they're having right now. You know, Disney World just opened Tron and that roller coaster was five years in the making and it's just a roller coaster. And we're seeing other projects at Disney World canceled or halted because of COVID. And at Universal, it's kind of just been different. They just opened Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Hollywood. And if you've been following along with the construction of Epic Universe at Universal Orlando Resort, that theme park, an entirely new theme park, is moving ahead at a rapid pace. What has allowed Frisco to become a destination for companies like this? I think it's just, you know, being the deal makers that we are. So kind of success brings success. And so you see projects like the star. And if you've got a big project like this and you're trying to decide where you want to consider putting it, obviously Frisco has the benefit of just being in an amazing location. But on top of that, when you say, okay, they got a deal done with the Dallas Cowboys and the PGA and to do relocations, that that seems like a city that is really great to do business with. And we pride ourselves on that. Um, you know, we have economic development tools here at our disposal. And we've become known as a city that can you know, get the deals done with big brands such as this. There have also been questions about whether this Frisco micropark could be a sign of things to come for Universal in Texas. But Cheney says he thinks the company realizes where it makes its money. This is really kind of a niche. You know, they, they do still want you to buy a plane ticket and come visit them in Universal Orlando. Universal still wants you to fly to Orlando, fly to Los Angeles, and have a multi-day vacation. This is really just satisfying and meeting a need of a totally different guest. And that's the guest that probably can't afford to go across the country however many times a year. And this will be their supplement. You know, they're probably still going to go to Orlando once a year. But now maybe they can get an annual pass, much more affordable, at a local park, come a few times during the year, stimulate the economy in the area. And I don't see it as, you know, they're going to make this mega resort in Texas. I just can't see that happening. But I think we're going to see these smaller parks pop up because they just meet an entirely different need. So we did talk to you last year about the story in Sherman. You mentioned the Dallas-Fort Worth area could theoretically expand north all the way to the Red River. How does the Universal Project factor into that northern expansion? Oh, yeah, I think that's going to really factor into northern expansion. Dallas has become quickly one of the premier regions in the U.S. Uh, Right now, we're currently ranked fourth largest metro behind Chicago, L.A., and New York. Uh, But I think we hope to be third here soon. And I think this really takes investment and this investment is coming from industry. One is that CHIPS Act that, that, that was passed this summer that's bringing a lot of investment into Sherman. So we're going to see a lot of jobs, high tech jobs come into Sherman, which is going to expand that growth up from McKinney through Anna, Melissa, Van Alstine to Sherman. We're going to see that. And we also just see the tremendous growth that's happening in Collin County with uh, Toyota headquarters coming to Plano. Uh, we're seeing large investments in entertainment, such as the Star at Frisco, the PGA Resort, the Universal Studios. So I think it's going to continue this growth. According to data from the U.S. Census Bureau, from 2020 to 2021, Frisco added more residents, nearly 8,000, than all but seven other American cities. Eight of the top 15 were in Texas, by the way, with San Antonio topping the list. Don't talk to me about... Uh, 
making the uh, another reason for us to grow. We're growing fast enough. It's good. We're all happy. Okay, it's growing plenty fast. As of the last census, Frisco was the 14th largest city in the state with a population of just over 200,000. As mayor, my favorite thing I love to hear is when people tell me I just never need to leave Frisco. You know, everything that I want is here. You know, my job is here. I got a great job at one of the businesses you helped relocate here and all the amenities are here and there's great schools and I'm in my Frisco bubble and happy. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you for joining me on our podcast. Texas wants to know if you liked the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.